재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 This is Koreascape on TPS EFM 101.3 megahertz in Seoul and surrounding areas. On Wednesdays, we devote the entire rest of the hour to food and beyond because we have a very special expert with us in the studio, a, a foodie par excellence. <laughs> Yerika Park is here and she's got everything at her fingertips, really. History, trivia, flavors, suggestions, and we're just going to go wherever our imagination takes us. Uh, although today we are going to talk about outdoor food to a large extent. Yerika, welcome. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Did you have your coffee? Uh, not yet. Not a little yet. slow this morning. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's okay. Um, slow mornings are good when you are talking about our topic. We're talking about going out into the outdoors and camping. That's right. Mornings tend to, you, you tend to be calibrated to nature and the sunrise, mm-hmm. and then you make your coffee perhaps over an open flame out there, or maybe you have a thermos or something. Isn't that just the best? That's the best. Cooking outdoors. Everything tastes better. I'm not a big camper. I've only gone camping one major sort of episode in my Mm -hmm. life. I'm I'm not one of those guys that just goes camping all the time. But these days, uh, I moved to a a, a rooftop, an oktap bang. And outdoors, I have this terrace. And I do all my cooking outdoors now. Nice. So I look over the view of the city and I cook outdoors. What do you like about outdoor cooking? I like not um, kind of stinking up my place, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just uh, I, the openness of it, the mm-hmm. the fact that you're you know able to kind of breathe easy, and uh, um, I, I I like grilling outdoors. Does that count? I've done a whole lot of, of that. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So I I do qualify as an outdoor cook. I just don't do mm-hmm. a lot of camping. I think. I mean, uh, you know. And not including vegans and vegetarians and pescatarians. I think the staple of any outdoor cooking really is meat, right? Meat, yeah. Grilling. Yeah, usually red meat, but sometimes uh, chicken, pork. Mm-hmm. Uh, seafood you can do. you got to be a little careful. But right. um, yeah, I mean, it's almost hard to mess up a good thick piece of red meat on a so. grill. It really right. brings out the caveman in, in, in all of us, doesn't it? I agree. And what I love personally about outdoor cooking and uh, camping food we're going to talk about today, what I love about that is that um, you're kind of cooking with the bare necess- bare essentials, basically. You don't have your oven with you. You don't have your electric anything, basically, when you're outdoors. Um, and it really allows you to go back to the basics of cooking. Unless and, you're glamping. I mean, I, this has come up once or twice. Korea, this right? It's huge. Yeah. What's your, what's your, your position on glamping? Uh, not much of a glamping person. No. I really like to rough it. Yeah. <laughs> the whole Seriously. point is to kind of make do with, with fewer things, mm-hmm. minimalize your experience, and thus make it, uh, you, you know, something different than what you do every day in a kitchen. If you're, yeah. you're in a basically full-stocked kitchen in the wild, it makes no sense, does it? Well, it kind of ruins the whole purpose of camping, in my opinion. I mean, you can agree with me or not. You're still in the outdoors, obviously. It's different from cooking in your own kitchen. Mm-hmm. But um, I like to rough it. And it really allows you to be kind of less civilized. And people tend to be less forgiving if you overcook that piece of steak, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's the kind of things that I really love about outdoor cooking and camping. So the ultimate camping uh, dinner for you mm-hmm. would be some some kind of red meat. Presumably, would it be like skewers or would it be just a steak or what? You know what? I love <laughs> I love hot dogs. Yeah. Um, Koreans grill sausages when they go camping. It's 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 part of their the camping food. Uh-huh. You know. It, it, it's, it's they love it, but um, I love fresh sausages actually. Sure. And in Korea these days, it's it's much easier compared to before to find fresh sausages uh, in the market. I have a friend who actually produces fresh sausages using uh, Korean pork. Oh wow! Unfrozen makes their own kind of force meats kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's, it's you can buy it and you can order it uh, online, and I, I usually call ahead and it's delivered to your door. It makes it super easy. But I think I've seen some documentation of yeah. you actually making your own sausages at some point in the past. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. I've made my own sausages. I've stuffed, you know, used casings, real pork casings to make sausages. That's awesome. <laughs> it's fun. It's really fun. Getting my get hands dirty. Fresh that's ingredients, and you can right. inflect it in any direction you want. You can do anything from Thai mm-hmm. to Cajun or Italian with basil and tomatoes really? and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and it's a fantastic way to kind of use up that meat that you don't really know what to do with. Right? Exactly. So, sausages you put on the grill. Yes, put on the grill. And then I always take with me uh, a few loaves of baguette. Sure. Um, I just love it. I just like slice it in half, put it on the grill, toast it. And it's like infused with that smokiness from the charcoal. And then I I put the hot dog in there, a little bit of mustard, uh, nothing much really. Maybe if I have a few onions, I just slice them up, cook that over the grill as well. It's funny how culturally defined a barbecue is, you know, until a certain age, I guess Mm -hmm. suppose until I was a teenager. I thought if you light a grill fire, you're making hamburgers and hot dogs. It's so obvious. That's what you're doing. You know, you're making hamburgers and hot dogs. I went then as an exchange student to Germany and I, they fired up the grill and I said, oh, are we having hamburgers and hot dogs? And she no, we're having steak and Würstchen, you know, <laughs> sausages and steaks. Of course, yeah. it's what you do in Germany. Of course. And then you do a whole, you know, there's obviously since the 90s, I guess, there's this whole barbecue renaissance mm-hmm. where people put everything on the barbecue. Yeah, that's true. In Korea as well, actually. Mm. Um, in Korea, the weather's really nice. Uh, nowadays, and I think the the popular months to go camping here in Korea starts in April when the weather warms up after mm-hmm. the long winter months, um, and then up to the end of October it gets pretty warm. Yeah. I mean, at, in mornings and nights it gets a little bit chilly, but that's the whole fun. I think there's sort of an M curve there with the summer being mm-hmm. just miserable. You don't want to be anywhere. Hot. Yeah, it's too hot. The mosquitoes everywhere. are attacking you. Uh, you know, any place without an air conditioner is going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. So there's a dip, I think, in late July and August, and then it starts up right about now yeah. again. It's beautiful. Mm. And have you noticed that this, there's this, been this really big trend in Korea? Uh, camping is huge. Camping's huge. I was Camping ju- has become huge in recent years. And it doesn't have to be hardcore, you know, out in the woods roughing it camping. Mm-mm. It can be sort of peripheral camping. Yeah. Like maybe just go to the Hangang area, set up a little tent, hang out. Uh, I was just at the Jarasom film, uh, film, Jarasom Jazz Festival this nice. week. And uh, everybody's setting up their little tents mm-hmm. in the perimeter area. Wonderful. They have these little miniature houses. And of course, on the day when it rained cats and dogs, that was perfect for them. They've got this little candle on a table inside their tent, sipping their, you know, Cabernet Sauvignon and watching the act while I'm, you know, basically wearing a trash bag over my head, uh, trying to stay as dry as I can. You know, but years down the road, those are the memories that stick with you, (laughs) right? Don't you think? Absolutely. That and the pneumonia. (laughs) Yeah. 
So it was really, uh, it was great to, uh-huh. to uh, it was inspiring to see these people put up their, their tents and their camping and stuff. Um, you're limited in Korea in terms of what you can cook and wear, right? Even along the Hangang, I don't think you can just bring a grill and fire it up, right? No, you cannot. No. Uh, you can only fire up the grill in designated camping areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, there's one not too far away, a camping site. Um, it's within the World Cup Stadium Park. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then uh, they set a designated... There's a date every month. It's It starts usually on the first week. Um, they open their online booking whatever services and then it's just like completely booked within and minutes. the barbecue pits are right there or yeah. do you bring the pit? Uh, for the World Cup Stadium Park a camping site, you need to... I'm, you you need to bring your own tent. That's for sure. They okay. don't rent out yeah, tents, yeah. and I think you need to bring your own grill. Okay. But they do. You can use their electricity, and you pay a few thousand won for using electricity. Um, the Nanji Hangang Park, for example, um, that's a little bit fancy. That's a fancy camping site because they already have like tents set up. Uh, you don't have to pay a huge sum. For example, a tent for like four or five people, you pay somewhere around like I don't know. 20, 30,000 won. And again, that's the space or are you getting the tent itself? You're, you're getting the tent. Really? Yes. Okay. And uh, the bigger the tent uh, that you rent, you pay a little bit more. But uh, they also rent out uh, barbecue grills as well. And uh, you can also buy coal, charcoal. Those limited uh, spaces really do get snapped up fast. But yes. Down at the Jarasom thing, mm-hmm. there's a parking lot where you get a spot for your car and you get a little spot for your tent. And people arrive, set up their tent, That's and right. they never leave the parking lot. The and those entire are called time. auto camping sites. Auto camping. Exactly. Yeah. So you set up your own tent, you usually park your car right next to your tent. Uh, but then uh, within those camping sites, there are also um, tents that are already set up for you. If you're a novice camper, if you don't have own a tent. I bought a tent secondhand from a friend about six months ago. Mm-hmm. He was leaving Korea and I still haven't uh, had the temerity to try assembling it yet. You know, it's got all those little flexible sticks That's and right. things like that. Yeah, uh, I am going to give it a try at some point when it's not too windy on my terrace and there's nobody to laugh at me. Uh, I'm going to try and make Nobody's that Nobody's going to laugh at you. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people take no. the opportunity to laugh. But if you haven't Listeners out there, if you haven't been camping in Korea, it's really great. All you have to do is just log on to some website, you know, just search for a camping site Mm. and a few dozen uh, you'll see right in front of you. And then you just click on one, go in, um, make a reservation and just go. There's so many camping sites these days all over the country. I think we should, we ought to devote a future segment, like our travel segment Mm -hmm. to that. Getting back to food real quick, just slightly off topic. We're talking about food and fire. Uh, Have you ever had a Hong Kong style Chinese barbecue. Hong Kong style Chinese outdoors? It's it's the most wonderful thing. Um, You get a big pit. It's about maybe half the size of a square table for six people. Mm -hmm. Fill it with wood, fire it up, and then there's this table. You just kind of contribute cash, and there's this table where there are every conceivable meat, seafood, clam, shrimp, everything that crawls, swims, and walks. Amazing. Uh, it, uh, on this table. And you just grab skewers of it and, you know, kind of pay What makes Hong Kong about this? The First, the variety of uh, biology that's on that table. <laughs> and um, I think the style where you, you know, you're, you, I forget how you pay. Either you pay a sum off the top or you pay a la carte. Mm-hmm. The uh, beers are almost free. They're almost paying you to drink the beer. Oh, that's fantastic. It's wonderful. It's like, you know, it's like so many things. It, it, Hong Kong does some things really, really well mm-hmm. where, you know, you go and the food is wonderful and the beer is cheap. Um, but yeah, that's one of my favorite kind of fire cooking. Fire cooking happens every day indoors in, in Korea. Yeah. As well, yeah. I mean, 
Hong Kong is definitely a culinary destination, For so sure. I'm sure they would do their camping food right too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> How about in the U.S.? Um, have you been camping in the U.S.? Once, if you can call it that, I, I went to Burning Man, mm-hmm. uh, which is oh. about a week in the uh, Black Rock Desert, right? And we set up a full-on, you know. Tent housing almost, and we set up a stove. We did chili,、oh. and we made all of these sort of daily dinners、mm-hmm. for our crew. We were、right. on a telecommunications project. We were providing、uh, broadband to the playa,、mm-hmm. to all of the people in their you know, sort of tent cities and stuff. Nice. So that that was kind of a、uh, yeah, that's definitely that was a rough and tumble camp、sure. experience. You know, out、yeah. in the middle of the desert. But I haven't done the sort of camping where you have to tie up your food to a tree where you're afraid the bears will come and eat it in the middle of the night. That's kind of awesome too. Have you done that? No, I've I've only heard stories, you know, from friends living in the U.S. Got to be careful of the bears. Don't leave food like lying around outside. I want to hear some of your、uh, camping and food stories, Yerika. We're going to come back in just a little bit. Careerscape is back with Food and Beyond right after this. Wednesdays on Koreascape mean food and beyond. We devote just about the whole hour to talking about food, dreaming about food, brainstorming about food with Yerika Park, who is a kitchen wizard and all-around food expert. Welcome back, Yerika. Yeah, you know what? I really love my Wednesday mornings now. Do you? To start off the day, I wake up and I, I'm gonna. I say to myself, I'm going to <laughs> the radio station to talk. About、Pretty your much favorite full、subject. hour about、yeah. my favorite subject, food.、Yeah. I hope you have breakfast before you come because afterwards you probably go out and take down a gazelle or something <laughs> like that. I had a banana and some cereal this morning. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. You know, Yerka, we're talking about camping and、mm-hmm. food. When you go camping, usually the food is something you light on fire. Yes. I, I sometimes、uh, when I have a barbecue going and you know you can kind of smell it. I think of that first moment in human history, when perhaps there was a forest fire、yep. or something, and early man walked in there and said, "Ah,、oh, our food is ruined." Wait a minute! <laughs> you know,、mm. they tried one of these burnt、yeah. mastodons or burnt saber-toothed、right. tigers and said, "My God, what have I discovered here?" And the rest is history. The rest is history. Yeah, yeah. So fire makes it good. That's a line from the Simpsons. For sure. Do you have a? We, I think we've established you've done more camping than me.、Um, <laughs> give me a, a look at your camping resume. Well, I've done quite a bit of camping.、Uh, a lot of it I've done、uh, during my year-long travel around the world. I went.、Okay. I, I just took a year off from work. Cool. This was exactly ten years ago in two thousand six. Wow. Went backpacking around the world, five continents, and I started in Africa. Uh, in South Africa, and then slowly made my way up、uh, the northeast. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking to go to South Africa next summer. Actually,、oh, South、yeah. Africa is just so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it is. Was it, I mean, did you find it relatively safe enough? Or 
I did. I went there twice, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, the first time in 2006. Uh, and then in 2010, I went for the World Cup. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, both times. I mean, you do have to be street smart wherever you sure, go. Sure, sure. Um, but... Yeah. So camping was a way to have a, a richer experience, but mm-hmm. I guess it was a way to kind of live on a budget on the road, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, when you go on safaris in Africa, a lot of times you will have to camp. Mm. Um, you're with a guide who who is very knowledgeable about the environment and uh, where it's the safest to, you know, set up your tents. And uh, it's really, really wonderful. You're literally waking up to the sounds of um, lions roaring and hippos making these like funny sounds. Just out in the wild. Yeah, they're they're really close by actually. When I was in Botswana, I camped out for like three days, three nights in uh, the Okavango Delta. And basically, we're just surrounded by water with lots of reeds and our guide would just go walk like 10 steps out to the the water just like, you know, with his bucket. Grab the water? Yeah, grab the water. Was that drinkable? Yeah, I never got sick once. But the funny thing is there are elephants nearby too. They're they're pooping in that same water. (laughs) Okay. I never got sick once. That's the mystery though. There's no like flushable toilet. Uh It's just a dugout, you know, little hole. There's no shower. There's no running water, obviously. Let's face it. The poop is just, you know, (laughs) eucalyptus leaves and things like that. Yes. uh, It's just leaves and grass. And let's be honest, in in an active uh, eco environment Mm -hmm. like a lake in Africa, you've got all kinds of organisms uh, doing what is essentially sewage treatment on the elephant poop. I totally agree. Yeah. It's kind of like in Vietnam, the whole catfish cycle thing. Exactly. You can't get queasy about stuff like that when you're out there in the wild. I think that's right. Really, um, and then the camping food there in Africa, for example, I camped out in, uh, in, in Kruger National Park uh-huh. and uh, Botswana, uh, Okavango Delta, and also in um, Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe. It's basically lots of meat. Basically, Zimbabwe. I, some of these countries, yeah, I've, I I don't know much about Africa. I have mm-hmm. not been to Africa, but I hear Zimbabwe, and I think really you you can actually go to Zimbabwe. Yes, uh, I think of it as <laughs> either politically shaky or dicey or that's unsafe true. but i'm sure those that's that's just my ignorance holding me back i'm sure when you actually get there it's wonderful it's just so beautiful mm. i mean the nature is just unrivaled sure it's untouched did you ever see a zebra oh yeah Plenty in the wild of them. oh yeah i don't know why but zebras would be like the most exciting thing for me to see in the oh, wild. oh really yeah i've seen like a family of elephants just crossing our path as we were driving yeah yeah And lions, and uh, we saw hippos, just name it. You saw them at a distance, I take it. I mean, you didn't just see lions. No, lions were right next to our car. They would actually actually enjoy the little shade that our four-wheel drive made. Like in the middle of the day, they get really hot and there's no shade. So we just like, you know, walk over to our vehicle, just like plop down Uh in the shade and not move. Cool. (laughs) Good thing you were in the car. Yes, yeah. I was in the car. So these are basically wildlife preserves where they keep you in the car and drive you through to exactly. see them. Right. Pretty cool. And some, some of these vehicles have like open tough roofs so you can actually like stand up. Briefly poke your head yep. out. Poke your head out. Binoculars. What kind of meat are you throwing on the grill down there? Oh, lots of beef. Uh, there were sausages made with uh, game meat. There's lots of all kinds of game meat out there, you know? Game uh, being... Game being like wild boar. Okay. You know, Hakuna Matata. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What's that? Asterix and Obelix. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, lots of it. Ostrich meat. I eat crocodile as well. Ostrich is wonderful. Ostrich is wonderful. Yeah. Ostrich, if you haven't had it, uh, mm-hmm. it's basically like lean 
flavorful beef. That's right. Almost. It's very lean meat. You would it's expect it to be food. like a very huge chicken, right. but it's it's like a it's the meat itself mm-hmm. is like lean beef. It makes sense to wrap it in bacon or something. That's right. I once fed ostrich to my dad without him knowing it. Oh, um, and he thought a- it was steak. You know, uh, he thought it was basically beef. And then afterwards, I said, "Hey, hey it's ostrich." <laughs> <laughs> but he was he he's an adventurous guy, so he didn't he didn't mind. Okay. Um, but yeah, ostrich. You what else on your list? Um, I had uh, smoked cro- crocodile tail, which wow, it's such a cliche, but it really did taste like chicken. Did it? Yeah. I've had gator bites before. It's, uh-huh. it's it's like ever so slightly fishy chicken, you know, like the consistency and flakiness right. of fish, but more or less the flavor of, uh, of chicken. Mm-hmm. The tail, I would expect the tail, hmm, is it very muscular? No, actually, it was quite tender. Yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine it's very muscular. Is it like an, or, or perhaps cartilage-y, like a, a no. is it comparable to an oxtail, Not for example? Not at all. It's actually, now that you mentioned fish, it, it, the texture is a cross between like, somewhere between like chicken and fish, actually. Yeah, that's like exactly how I fish. found, you know, yeah. gator bites. Right. Yeah, fried gator bites. I had those in Atlanta for the first time. Oh, yum, that sounds delicious. Anything deep fried. Deep fried with I'm a little okay. bit of, yeah, <laughs> you dip, dip that in a little uh-huh. aioli or some red pepper right. sauce and you, you're happening. The, the alligator is uh, a party in your mouth, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, when I was in a Peru, Machu Picchu. Mm. I, I camped out there for a, a couple of days too, a couple of nights too. Alpaca steaks are everywhere. Alpaca, they're kind of like llamas, right? Yes. They look kind of similar, but they have different names according to how like large they are. They're, in, they're, they're very large. They can be taller than you, can't they? For sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, very woolly, mm-hmm. very hairy. I think oh, they're they actually, so cute. They but- make uh, garments out of alpaca fur, don't they? They're everywhere. Yeah. Alpaca sweaters, scarves, coats. And what exactly does an alpaca steak taste like? Um, I would compare it to maybe veal. Okay. It's, so it's very kind tender. of like whitish in color. Whitish. Yeah. Huh. Mm. It's Marbled? Tender. No, it's actually lean meat too. Alpaca meat is very lean. Huh. Yeah. Just chuck that on the grill or do you do anything to it? Oh, it's pound mostly it? like steak and it's served with sides like potatoes. There's lots of potatoes and corn in South America. Uh, Peru is home of the spit-roasted guinea pig, is it not? That's right. <laughs> I've had it. Have you? How yeah. is that? It's called cuy. Cuy. Yeah, C-U-Y. It's delicious. But the way it's presented on the plate, I ordered it out of curiosity. Yeah. But I, I thought, is this really necessary? Is this necessary? This is kind of like my pet hamster kind of it, looking it's thing. It's just sitting there and it's deep fried. And oh, it's deep fried. salad. Okay, so it's sometimes not roasted. Sometimes they roast it. Sometimes yeah. they deep fried. But the meat is very tender. That really I would expect tender. to taste like a little chicken. It tastes like um, a suckling pig, actually. No kidding. Yep. Uh, the texture of the meat is very much like suckling pig. Huh. Which I've never had. My mom always tells me this uh, sort of trauma story about how my dad brought home a suckling pig one day from mm-hmm. the market and said, Here, honey, cook it up. And oh. um, the whole time she was like, I can't believe this poor little pig. Um, so, how does that story end? Did your dad end up cooking the suckling my pig? My dad not? raved about it. He's no, she did it. Uh-huh. She did it. She pushed through it. Oh right. And uh, my my dad absolutely raved about it. Mm. So apparently, suckling pig is uh, is a wonderful thing. Oh, it's one of the best meats, isn't there. it? <laughs> and they do it the best, like in Portugal. Uh, suckling pigs are huge in the Philippines. It's a it's a big festive um, food. Yeah. down there. You ever have crispy pata? A crispy what? Pata, which is like a chokpa. Oh, pata, like foot. Pata, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a, the Philippines. I think it's a Philippines thing. Mm-hmm. Just take that whole chokpa, maybe season it up a little bit, drop it into the uh, deep fryer, and then you take it out and serve it with uh, dipping sauce. You know, a lot of my friends who don't eat chokpa, the foot of any animal, right? 
they ask me, is it really necessary? But I'm like, yeah, bring it on. Yeah. Joke bar, Korean style joke bar is a little tough to take. Um, if you're brand new to Korea and you're not into pigs, they is can it be too a, visually? Well, it's visual and it's uh, also kind of, what's the word? Gelatinous? It is. You know, it, it's, um, it's, a, you're right. it's a texture that um, people who are not adventurous about textures mm-hmm. might find a little off putting. Again, anything cartilage, anything gelatinous, you can put it on my plate. Mm. I would happily eat it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, we're going camping. I don't think you can take Tokba camping. Could you? I think you could, actually. If you got a raw one and you, you spit-roasted it mm-hmm. right way or had it over a, a barbecue grate and kept paying attention to it. I think you could, like, wrap it probably in a foil, foil. aluminum foil. Yep. And then if you, like, slow-roast it, yep. I think that would be totally doable. Sure. Yeah. Have you ever been to one of those entire pig roasts? Yes. Uh, they used to do one back at university, and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I would see it from a distance, and maybe I'd eventually get a plate. But uh, you know, I've never been at a small gathering where you know you get close to it mm-hmm. and kind of tend it and stuff. Right? Um, were you involved in the cooking part of it too? <laughs> well, funny, I, I didn't cook it, but funny enough, you know, you can actually order those whole pigs. Yeah. And then we, I, I used to live in this house with a really fabulous garden, and uh, a friend of ours was going away, like for good. He was leaving Korea, so we had a farewell party, and we uh-huh. just did a whole hog barbecue in our backyard. There's in the Korea. expression "go whole hog," right? <laughs> yeah, it was so delicious. One of my biggest culture shocks moving to Hong Kong mm-hmm. was uh, waking up in you know this modern apartment, taking the elevator down twenty or thirty floors, and then just outside would be the shop where the guy from the countryside left a whole pig, just a uh, <laughs> whole dead pig for you right there, and the guy would over the day chop it up and sell it as you know it was a little butcher shop, right. but there it was on the curb on the sidewalk, just waiting for the guy like it was a, a package from Amazon, you know. Just the contrast in the image of yeah. a whole pig in Hong Kong with yeah. all the high-rise um, among the high-rise buildings. That's that's the the magic of Hong Kong. I mean, the wet <laughs> markets where you know one minute you're walking past uh, chain coffee shops and the next minute you're walking by lungs on a hook. Yeah. Or uh, I stepped out of my hotel the very first day in mm-hmm. Hong Kong and there was a truck open with an entire bull's severed head uh, looking out at me like some kind of meat truck, and I said, I I'm in Asia now. I. I love that though. <laughs> I personally love wet markets and it's real. Yeah, it's real. You connect. I mean, you're you're not the person that kills the food, but you are connecting with what the food is. Yeah, and that makes a big difference. I mean, when you see that guy basically lifting mm-hmm. the pig off the sidewalk and then chopping the leg off and doing this and that, um, you know, it, it adds a dimension of authenticity to right. the food, doesn't it? Yeah, totally agree. Well, getting back to camping food, mm. what is, um. I don't know. What is your idea of camping food? What's what's camping food for you? It depends on the level of, uh, I don't know, roughness that I'm going mm-hmm. for. Um, you know, something like this jazz festival. I want to bring some some nice stuff. Uh, yeah, I might bring a couple of Tupperwares, maybe some tapenade and yeah. some uh, red pepper spread and some cheese and bread, and kind of leave it there. Mm-hmm. A couple of bottles of wine, that sort of thing. I still That's would bring fancy. one. It's fancy. <laughs> I would bring uh, maybe a box of wine if I was mm-hmm. going on a rougher camping yeah. trip. A box of some kind of meat. Um, box of wine, meaning case of wine or boxed wine. I'm talking about boxed wine. Okay. You know, I don't. Not, I'm not bringing glass out into the the great wild. You know, right. you know, plunge that box of wine, get it open. Maybe if I can ice it down, if I can get to a river where it's cold, put it in there. That's perfect. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah. And then 
some manner of, uh, you know what's real nice, either at home to grill or if you're camping, mm-hmm. uh, one of those pork, um, what do they call it, anshim, like a, a tenderloin. Yeah. It's like a gigantic sort of uh, meat sword in a way, you know. It's, it's a cylinder. It's a cylinder yeah. of meat. And those, if you just uh, season it up, put it on the grill, mm-hmm. fire it up uh, quickly on both sides. And it just barely cooks through. That is so super tender. Oh, yum. Or if you want to uh, cut it, cut that up mm-hmm. into skewer-sized chunks and throw that around in a marinade, you know, sesame oil, soy sauce, and whatever else. Maybe right. some Jamaican jerk stuff. Um, and then let that sit in your Tupperware. Mm-hmm. Go out there, skewer it up, and put it on the fire. That is crazy. Um, you know, a lot of people do meat. Uh, Koreans love their pork belly. Um, For you sure. Know. Camping food for Koreans is pork belly, uh, the pork neck, yep. uh, beef steaks, and sausages. And when I see sausages, Koreans, um, they love their hot dogs. They're kind of like hot dogs. They're basically, right? yeah, it's tough to find sort Raw. of artisanal sausages yeah, exactly. here in Korea. You have to go to mm-hmm. maybe a European deli or something right. like that. So they would fire up the grill, um, grill all those meats, and then they would have like a side of fresh leafy vegetables, the sam, to wrap the meat around. And then they would obviously have rice. Yeah. Um, Incidentally, mm-hmm. if I may just briefly interrupt you, sausages sure. are, in my opinion, the next wave of culinary oh my god in uh, in Seoul. I think at some point, you know how there's like always some phase that people are latching on to? Mm-hmm. Like for a while it was churros. You, you, churros, there was lines around the block. Now it's craft beer and pizza. Line around the block. Mm-hmm. Somebody could start a little hole in the wall place with artisanally made sausages. Wide, wide difference of flavor. Maybe one kimchi sausage, one Thai sausage, one mm-hmm. this or that. And just have them on a stick. Grilled, yeah. People would line up down the block for that. Um, I think Koreans really like cured meats. They just haven't been introduced to a wide variety mm-hmm. of cured meats. So yeah. if somebody started that trend, I think it would really take off as well. For sure. Yeah. And there's no shortage of pork and meats and stuff like that. Oh, and pork is huge here in Korea. Yeah. yeah. Pork is yeah. It is it is the staple meat. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're you're not well off. You surely can afford yourself some pork. Right. One of those anchim beef cylinder uh, pork cylinders. Maybe you can get that for like four thousand won. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and do you know what I do sometimes? Well, I've done it a couple of times, but cooking a pan, a big pan of paella. Yeah. Over the grill. That's a wonderful over idea. Yeah, you got to have some sort of support system mm-hmm. to to put that pan on. But if you've got a, a strong enough grate, right? Cast iron pan is incredibly resilient. Mm. Because my gas stop, a gas stove at at home, it's just the fire is just not nearly big enough for the pan. So sure. the, the rice doesn't cook evenly. Yeah. But when you have a big barbecue grill, just put it over the grate, yeah. the entire pan, and it just it, it infuses the rice with all the smokiness from the charcoal. And you can just throw anything on there. Rice, you need a little bit of stock. Yep. Uh, the meats you took for the barbecue. A little bit of just, wine, yeah, whatever's left over. Chop really. up some so, pork yeah. bits. And a few shrimp. It's a great, yeah, a few shrimp. It's a great rice, rice dish. And if you time it right, you can get it going right when the fire is starting to die down mm-hmm. so that when you throw the rice in and stir it, maybe cover it, yep. it's kind of on a slow cook and then right. you steam the rice in itself. But even, yeah, even a big pan of paella, it takes 20 minutes for the rice to cook at most. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Are you using like uh, arborio kind of stuff or are you using just regular sal? 
I use regular sal if I don't have arborio or bomba rice. And when I go traveling, I do tend to bring back like uh, a few bags of rice with me because really? it, it's it's different. When you say go back, where are you going back to? Well, I, I go to Portugal, Portugal regularly and Paris France regularly. And, yeah. So if you go to those countries, it's it's you know much easier than Korea to find. Some people bring back perfume. Yeah, rice. <laughs> Yerika brings back rice. One hundred percent. I only bring back food. Yeah. When I go traveling, I don't. I don't. I'm not a big shopper. I don't buy shoes. I don't buy clothes. I am one of the world's most notorious cheese smugglers. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> I have a false bottom in my suitcase, and I bring back unpasteurized cheeses. So when are you heading out of Korea? You, I gotta. You know, I don't. <laughs> yeah, you gotta place your order, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. And that is item number two that's going to catch mm-hmm. on after the sausages. Once you've made your sausage fortune, right? Then you start the artisanal cheese mm-hmm. fromagerie, and I think that uh, I, I find it amazing that Koreans love all this stinky fermented food, and yet they haven't really gotten hardcore into cheese on a mass scale yet. Slowly. Slowly, it's coming. Yep, it is. It's inexorable, though. It's coming. All of my Korean friends love cheese. Yeah. I mean, you're with a specific kind of crowd, though. Mm. I mean, I think on, on a mass popular kind of level. You're right, actually. Um, for example, you, you can tell when you go into the mata, any mm-hmm. given Korean mata, you got the singles, yeah. you got the kids' cheese. And that's, and that's it. it. And, and you got the, you know, this is what haunts me, is the cheese by the cash register that needs no refrigeration. It's in like a tube. <laughs> You know, don't eat cheese that doesn't require refrigeration unless the apocalypse has struck. Listen to Kurt. Right. Unless it's a post-nuclear war and then you can eat that cheese. Mm -hmm. What else do you bring camping? Um, You know, I said I like to rough it, but I I like to drink wine when I go camping. And I always take with me like um, my my plastic wine glasses. Like I mentioned before, I always bring... uh, a few loaves of baguette. I they bet you have one of those breakfast. Euro leather wine squeezy things, don't you? I do have one of those fancy <laughs> Euro wine, wine squeezy things. Do they have a name? What are they called? I have no idea. Yeah. It's I, like it's like holding up a uh, the billows on a yeah. fireplace and you just can squeeze it right. into your mouth like a gaucho. Exactly. Yeah. I take some spices with me too. Sure. Uh, cayenne pepper always. Um, Separately in little because I little bags. I have a friend who you know when we went to this Jada something mm-hmm. she brought one of those massive kimchi Tupperwares just full of spices. Oh, nice! Yeah, because um, you know meat grilling is great too. But sometimes I like to make a just one pot pastas. All you need literally is a pot, is a pot and you throw all the ingredients in there. For example, like for 350 grams of pasta, you would need about four and a half cups of water. Throw the pasta in there, the water in there. Uh, chop up some tomatoes. Um, so you're not. You're, this is for for some people. This might be a crazy idea. Mm-hmm. You're not boiling the pasta, draining no. the pasta water, then you know sautéing ingredients Mm-mm. and throwing the pasta. You can't afford to do that out in the wild yeah. or outdoors. So just Simplify enough water everything. to get the pasta a cooked and b to sauce itself up. Yeah, with some tomatoes and so and that pasta absorbs. All of that's goodies, yeah. all the goodies, like the tomatoes, the water. Um, I, I grow basil in my garden, so I usually take some fresh basil with me, throw mm. that in there too. Onions, you just like slice onions and throw it in there too. And you just leave it there until the pasta is ready. And it, it's a pasta. It's, it's, it's delicious too. You know, you've, I think you may have just changed my life a little bit because I'm going to start making one pot pastas mm-hmm. just at home. They're delicious. I've always felt it's a crime to discard all that pasta water, right? Right. They, they, if you watch food television and stuff, they call the pasta water magic. It's got the starch in it. Yeah. It thickens itself up. It's like a, a perfect way to, to make a sauce, and yet you throw it down the drain. It really thickens up the sauce nicely. All that starch, 
that's starchy water. One uh, pot pasta. What's the ratio of water to pasta in when you're doing that? Okay. 350 grams to 400 grams. That would feed around, I don't know, three, four people. Okay. Uh, four, and a half, four and a half to five cups of water. So about a cup per 100 grams mm-hmm. of dry pasta. Yep. That's an easy way to remember it. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I, and if you, I suppose if you use like the Korean hand method, mm-hmm. is it, it's just enough water to kind of cover the level of the pasta? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's how I cook rice. You know, just I pour the water in until my hand is covered. Mm-hmm. That's it. Exactly. And what else? Olive oil is necessary for yeah. sure. Um, olive oil. Yeah, that might be a good first up. step. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you want to get crazy, you could probably uh, do your aromatics in the pot mm-hmm. with the olive oil before right. you throw in the dry pasta and the other stuff. You're right. Obviously, you know how to cook. So, <laughs> But if you're lazy, just literally throw everything in there. Yeah. And then if you go camping, just do that and then just place it on the on the grate over the charcoal and just wait for it to you know, cook. It's just a fabulous meal. If Are you, you want to if you want to do something other than just grilling the typical the meat dinners and stuff. It's a very civilized suggestion, this one pot pasta. Mm-hmm. So far we've been kind of Neanderthal in our barbecue tastes, you know, <laughs> what meat we throw on fire. Uh, yeah. but uh, do you do do you do veg? Do you do goguma or sweet potatoes or anything like that? Well, right now sweet potatoes are in season. Are they? Yes, Ooh. October sweet potatoes are so delicious. Um, yeah, I do sweet potatoes, I do potatoes, wrap them in foil, a little bit of olive oil, a little bit of sea salt, just you know, I just stick them in the, the embers. I've never been in the embers. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So not on the grate. You just nope. kind of throw it right in the, in the actual ashes, fire. Actually. In the ashes mm-hmm. as the fire is kind of cooling down right. a little bit. Yeah. I've never been good at doing that. I've never been good at getting the the potatoes mm-hmm. right. They're either hard as a rock or uh, they're kind of wet and mushy at the end. Right. I never get that right texture. Do you eat the goguma skins I, when you barbecue? Yeah. Yeah. I eat skins, but you know they're not that much of a pain to remove. remove. So, yeah, kind of fluff it out like a, a baked potato. Mm-hmm. If you want to really fancy it up, take a tub of like sour cream with you. Mm. You know, just you know, do a or little herb up some butter. You know, like take some chives in chives, chives, chives and uh, maybe pepper. some garlic, that kind of stuff. Perfect. Whip it around in some butter. Now that's really gourmet for camping. Food, and splash it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you hey, you got a pack. Oh, wow, we're at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. We've lost track of time. That is Korea Escape for this week. Our producer, Ojang Sop, writer, Nikki Kim, associate producer, Jamie Lee. I'm Kurt Asian. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.